Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. This is Aid and I'm back from my holidays and that's uh, that's a good thing. I'm glad to be able to, as my wife says every Monday evening, have a good gossip. <laughs> so we're back here to talk. Uh, we're back here to record uh, show 112, sadly without Rach uh, this week, who is busy. But Graham, how you doing, mate? I'm doing very well, thank you, Aid. It continues to be far too warm, but I'm not going to complain because um, I'm getting a really good partial suntan are you keeping um, up your daily calippo dose i have had two today so I, yeah i'm good i'm good today's been a two calippo day and i'm very happy about that that explains your aggressive attitude towards our guests then doesn't it uh in <laughs> fairness i feel like our one guest explains our my aggressive attitude towards our guests because we've got two again two guests but two brilliant guests one a returning troublemaker uh <laughs> I'd like to say it feels like it's been far too long, but it definitely doesn't. One half of the Danger Boys, welcome back. Cy Riddell. Cy, how are you? Oh, I'm very well. Um, yeah, just just, uh, just really loving your uh, your warm, affectionate feel tonight. Don't, don't worry, Cy. I will try and keep him in check. <laughs> yeah, th- thanks, Aid. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'm really, really happy to be here. And, um, you know, we've been really, really busy over the last sort of um, couple of months. So um, lots of things happening. So glad to uh, glad to uh, be here to talk about it. Thanks very much. It's good to have you back. And with you and with us this evening, not the other half of the Danger Boys, not Dave, but we have the fantastic Keith Moss joining us. Uh, Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, good to be here. It's very good to have you here, Keith. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you about your life and career because, oh boy, you have done so much stuff and continue to do so much stuff. So we are going to kindly ask Sai to, as much as he possibly can, not make too much noise in the background uh, whilst we <laughs> dig deep on into your past. Because, um, Keith, you have done that rare thing of building a successful career in photography, that incredibly hard thing to do, especially in today's day and age. Um, yeah, I guess so. It's very difficult. There's no two ways about it. You know, I, I mean, to, to have lasted this long, I do feel quite proud of myself, really, to be honest. Well, I mean, and then it seems like part of the reason you have managed to make your career last so long is because you have managed to adapt to be successful in so many different fields, uh, which yeah. will hopefully we'll try and get to a, at least a few of those. But can you give us a bit of your history about how you, know, how you came into the, the photographic career, what you spent most of your time doing and, and where it's taken you? Yeah, sure. Um I first started out oh, 30, 30 odd years ago in, in the 80s. So originally, uh, when I left school, I was a butcher, would you believe? And I sort of entered as a, uh, to become a master butcher. So I went through everything from, I went through a five year apprenticeship. So um, I bought live at Panel, which is Harrogate and places like that. Um, finished animals, which is how, how you feed them before slaughter slaughter um, right the way through to shop work right the way through to making up the whole process and then went into supermarkets and then from there i i, I went into management and uh, <clears throat> i sort of had a really bad accident i crushed the base of my spine um carrying a load of uh, would you believe lamb liver into the uh, freezer um i just basically sat down with 60 pound of lamb liver uh, with, with a tray of 60 pound of lamb liver which wasn't really good at that particular point oh, God. Ouch. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a bit. 
And I, I, I had to sort of pack in. Um, I got sacked because I was managing a busy department. I'm not saying who I worked for because, uh, um, anyway, it, it was a big company. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I got sacked because we were no longer fit and capable to manage a busy department. Um, and then, funnily, the, uh, my solicitor, who we were going through at the time, um, lost all the documentation. So, cutting a long story short, we got nothing from it, and I ended up having no career. Um, and going back even further, um, my father was a bit of an amateur photographer. He was a good amateur photographer, actually. And um, they, my mother and father, sort of in 73, 74, um, went to live in Africa and left me um, with an old aunt, would you believe? And I went over there for three months and I sort of, it was the first time my dad allowed me to use his, his camera. It was in a Sia Pentax ME Super. And we were very lucky to go into the bush and, and proper meet Indians and, you know, real natives and so on and so forth. And I took a load of shots and I shot it on transparency film. Um, which I didn't have a clue really what, you know, I didn't know the difference between transparency and negative in, in them days. And when I came back, funnily enough, everything had come out and all the composition were good. And I, I put a little show on it at, at, at my school and um, it went down really well. And I suppose the rest, the rest is history. So when everything um, sort of crashed from a career point of view, six months into that crash, I decided to be a photographer and my long-suffering wife sort of went, all right, love, you know, as a, it, you know if, if it keeps you up, it, it'll do for me sort of thing. And weirdly, within 12 months, I'd, I'd, I'd work in Vogue and I'd uh, work for Hilton Hotels and I'd work for Ronson, Mars Confectionery. And it was just, I was just one of those um, Bruss and Yorkshire blokes that would sort of go and say, look, I've took this great shot of this flower, so that means I can photograph your widgets. Come on, give me a job. And uh, stupidly, they did. And that's how I sort of built it from there. Um, and then I started figuring out things. I, I, I worked with, the, I did a lot of models portfolios in them days when I first started and worked with a few um, model agencies, some of which are still going in Manchester, but some of the early ones were really interesting. And what I found out was... Um, the models that I worked with always had either rich parents or they were having affairs with people that had businesses. And um, so I tended to get into companies like that. Uh, in respect of, <laughs> they, would come, they would come to um, my studio and say, will you photograph me and my boyfriend? Well, this is my boyfriend and he's from such and such a company. Um, and I'd say, yeah, no worries. And we'd do a little fantasy shoot for him. Um, all fully clothed, of course. Um, James Bond features a lot of the time in those days um, in, in them sort of shots that we did. And they all loved it. And, and that's how we really got into the bigger company. So it was really a weird way in, but it was a way that I manufactured, if that made sense. Yeah, that's, that's then, insane. <laughs> yeah, and, and sort of, you can't do that nowadays, but, you know, I mean, everything's changed, hasn't it? But sort of everybody knew everybody and, you know, once you get into that world in them days, it was like, even though I wasn't in London, I were in the north. Um, you sort of like got into things in the north and then, you know, got into other companies and bigger companies through that, um, through your reputation. So that's how it all started, really. And then sort of 
as my career has gone on, I think what I realised is everything has a season and everything comes to an end. So, you know, if fashion photography is in in one stage, um, yeah, we did a bit of that and we were successful at that. Um, you know, photographing products, we were successful at that. Um, but everything has a, has, a, has a season, in my opinion. And when you come to the end of that season, most people just give up. Whereas what I've done is um, done the Madonna, which is tried to reinvent myself. Um, and that process is happening now today as we speak. Um, so that's how I've sort of stayed. I won't say ahead of the game, but that's how I've kept in the game, if that makes sense. Because um, what you said earlier on is true. It's incredibly difficult to earn a living um, and to be a successful photographer. Um, there's very few that do it. Yeah, I mean, it's still, I, I still, I find it amazing. And the, the offhand way you go, well, I started in a year later. I was, you know, had work in Vogue and I was photographing for Mars. I mean, you obviously have no problem putting yourself out there and just going, hey, I can do this. You should give me that job. How how did you build a level of confidence like that? Your background, uh, although you obviously worked very hard to achieve what you had in butchery, but it, it doesn't seem like a career path that would lead you to having the skill set necessarily to then go on and pursue the career you did. Um, I think for me, my photography has always been about understanding people. I know that might sound strange, but at the end of the day, you know, we're all people at the end of the day. So if you once you start understanding people, I had quite a bad childhood, um, which I'm happy to go into if you want me. We're nothing drastic. I, I would just um, verbally abused more than physically. Um, and my parents left me home alone basically when I was 13 and lots of other things. And I think what that did is it sort of, um, I think with things like that, you can either go down the dark side in life or you can, you can go down the light side, the spiritual side. And I think for me, it heightened my awareness of other human beings and um, it gave me the ability to see into human beings and, and sort of understand whether they would be a threat or basically whether they'd be a threat or whether I, they would be okay, if you know what I mean. Uh, and then from there, obviously, it develops because it stays with you. Um, so I don't know about confidence in the first early stages I don't think it was confidence I think it was just bullshit <laughs> and that's it in a nutshell you know? fake it till you make it <laughs> yeah a lot of this a lot of this world is bullshit you know um it's perception and, and and if you're perceived to be doing well then you know chances are you will do well because people want to be seen with people want to connect with people that are doing well um so the combination of both those skills and I had quite a good management training um, through supermarkets, um, which went into marketing and all the rest of it. So I had a bit of business skill as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose, I'm, I don't want to come across as blasé, but by the same token, I don't want to come across as, you know, oh yeah, I've been amazing because I haven't. I've just been a jobbing photographer that's worked with some really good companies and, and, I, and occasionally I've done some good work. But occasionally, you know, most of my work commercially, I call it prostitution. Um, and that's because I don't particularly um, get a kick out of it. I don't particularly feel passionate about it, although I feel passionate about photography. Um, I always call it prostitution because you've got to do that to earn a living. And then what I tell other photographers that are starting out or that I mentor 
is you've got to do something for yourself that you're passionate about and that feeds your soul because without that, you will, you know, the bullshit will take over and you will lose yourself. You'll lose your work. You'll lose your focus. And, and you know, from there on, things dry up and before you know where you are, um, you're struggling in this world. Um, so it's got to be something that, you know, is, is true to your soul, really. So it's got to be in there. Otherwise, you can't. I, I don't think anybody can be a photographer. Um, yeah. You've got to have something to say. You, you've got to be passionate about something. Yeah. Um, and it's, well, it's sorry. I mean, and that's one thing that is clear through for all of your work and for all the stuff that you share. And, and and you've got quite a lot of not just your work, but also your thoughts and um and various bits and pieces on the internet. Uh, and the fact that you are still so incredibly passionate about photography and and about how important photography is to your life comes through, which after spending years in the middle of photography keeping that cannot have been easy um but as you were saying the the, doing the things that you care about is clearly very important and and one of the things that you're best known for are your urban portraits um could you talk to us a bit about uh how you got into doing those um and and what they mean to you and you know and where that's gone yeah sure i mean to be fair i love people full stop um, I'm a people person, um, and there's nothing more I enjoy nothing more than having a chat with somebody, and particularly strangers, because they learn you so much, you know. Um, and and more and more you speak to people, more and more you realise that you've just met, more and more you realise that to be fair, they're just exactly a carbon copy of you underneath. You know, they, everybody's feelings are the same when it comes down to the big main things in life. You know, we all want to be loved. We all want to love. Um, we all need what they call stroke, which is touch, you know, so on and so forth. Um, so I just love people and I, I love being nosy, I guess. I love, I love, um, certainly love going abroad and, and, and getting involved with how other cultures and, and, and how they live. So I use my skills as, um, over the years, I've shot thousands of models and people in various different guises. And what I've realized is there's, there's lots of different things that, you know, you can tell instantly about somebody. I can tell instantly how to photograph them without speaking to them. I just watch the body language as they're walking towards me. So I, I will watch for somebody when they're walking towards me if I want to photograph them. And I will have eye contact with them. And basically, I will give a, a really slight nod or just maybe raise an eyebrow. And depending on how they do it back, I then know how I can. Fo- I, I, the, the, I know that I can stop them and photograph them. Then I watch the body language to see how they feel comfortable, um, because the last thing I want to do to a stranger is push them out of their comfort zone. Because when you do push them out of the comfort zone, you get that fear smile. So you know, I just ask questions, particularly silly, simple things like if they've got a dog, like. You know, what's your dog's name, or in she, or are you lovely, or you know, where did you get her from, or whatever. You just open the conversation up. And and what I when I teach this, um, the first thing you've got to do is when you stop somebody, before you stop them, you've got to know what you want to do with them, and you've got to know what you can do with them. Otherwise, when you shoot them in that first minute, you've lost everything. You, you understand where I'm coming from? So yeah. you've got to understand that person before you even even shoot them. 
and I've broke that down over the years of, of how I do that um, so I can teach it. So that, that's one of the reasons, and it transcends body language. You know, I've, I've done a lot of stuff in Istanbul and um, a lot in Eastern Europe where I don't speak any of their language, but it still works with body language. Um, so it's very interesting, and, and it's something I love because you can have a conversation with somebody and learn about somebody and create a, photo, create a, a picture with them. That, that really shows who they are. Um, I mean, most of my work, people say, you can actually see who that person is that you've just stopped and shot. Uh, and, and that's down to those type of skills. So again, with street photography, urban portraiture, it really is, for me, 80% it's about the person and 20% about your photography skills. And then if you roll that out, commercially it's the same. Fashion-wise, it's the same because you're, you're communicating people's brands, people's feelings, and there ain't a machine that's going to look at the photograph. Another human being's going to look at the photograph. Um, so we're just connecting with everybody's emotions. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. How? I mean, I know you were saying that you've managed to break down your approach to this, but it seems like something which, at a certain level, is a very intuitive thing. That the the, yes. the the how how easy. Is it, or, or how successful have you been in, in getting other people to take what you have understood, come to understand, and apply it themselves? Um, well, nobody can become a carbon copy. Um, but what I try to do is, is open their personalities up and, and show them a way where, you know, um, they can communicate with people. Because one of, the, one of the biggest barriers in street photography is this confidence issue. Whereas when I first started, I wasn't confident, whereas now I am, you know, because I've been doing it 30 years. And when I first started, I used to think to myself up to year 10, you know, I'm going to be caught out one day. Somebody's going to somebody's going to realize that I haven't got a bloody clue what I'm doing. <laughs> um, and, and of course, that never happened. And then all of a sudden you realize you've got bags of experience and bags of knowledge, because at the end of the day, all you do is solve problems. You know, you, you, you just communicating a message by solving problems in the photography industry that's and a, again that's a really interesting thing actually because uh, uh what you say there actually makes a lot uh, has a lot of resonance with my own career and, and and the way that i saw myself for the first part of that and and also the fact that these days i would just consider myself to be a problem solver i i'm you know it, it's in no way yeah. a creative career career what i do but it's it's definitely about making relationships and problem solving yeah, that's exactly what I, I did as a, as a commercial photographer, advertising photographer, call it what you will. That You know, you're just trying to communicate a message. Uh, nine times out of ten, um, a lot of the modern, in, in the modern era, you know, a lot of, a lot of really good old-fashioned skills have been lost. Um, and, and certainly they've gone beyond this. They, they, they've gone into the California era, which is like everything's got to have a filter on it and look like we're in California when we're in... Britain and it's pissing it down in so in, in winter. Do you know what I mean? Um, so we've we've lost that way of communicating, and, and sometimes we've lost that um, intelligence of how you get a message over, how you bring somebody um, that's into your brand. Um, how, how can I put it? My, my job really as a commercial photographer is to look at a customer's target market. And to turn that customer's target market on into buying their product or service. And sometimes you don't do that by having a California image painted across everything because 
there's no message in that image, if that makes sense. So a lot of that intelligence has been lost um, in the mainstream, not on the high end. The high end is still, you know, is still really, really good and incredibly good and, and, and is, is, is a lot better than it used to be. But probably the low end and, and going on towards the middle market, a lot of people have lost that skill, if, if, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I don't mean photographers. I mean more ad agencies and more, you know, there seems to be a lot more people full stop yeah people searching for shortcuts to success um and and that's like well well what's popular well do that yeah and um i mean so uh, when you're working on your urban portraiture and uh, and you've got a book um that is out that you you've got both your work and your writing about how you go about approaching um urban portraiture yes what is it do you think that it because if you just say what it is or it's a book of pictures of total strangers yeah why is that so compelling for people how why is it so compelling for you to do it why is it so and why do people and myself included i i i love seeing pictures like that why why do you think we're drawn to that kind of work um because in it Humans are communicators at heart, and I think we've lost that. We've lost that. Um, you know, it's one of the greatest things ever. You walk out on a morning, and, you know, I hear people say, oh, street photography is really difficult. It isn't. It's quite simple, actually. You know, you can just walk up to somebody and stop them and have a, have a conversation with them, compliment them, give them a no-go or whatever, you know, and it's a great thing. You walk away feeling fantastic. And I think a lot of us have lost that. So I think a lot of us are still interested in that subconsciously. We're still interested in communicating with people. We just tend to do it um, on a computer, which is impersonal. Whereas when you look at a photograph, it becomes very personal. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the more you capture somebody's personality, the more you will look into that because that's who we are. We all look into each other's personality. When we meet each other, that's the first thing that we do is subconsciously. You know, we're trying to connect with each other and look into each other's personality are we safe are we you know are they this or are they that can i speak with them what do they like what do they dislike are they interesting are they boring do you know what i mean yeah and, and i think i think a lot of it is to do with that personally but then i try and pick on interesting people the people that i find interesting and to be fair i know this sounds awful but i, ne- I didn't do the book for other people i did it for me the fact that other people really love it is a bonus, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And that seems like the best way to do it is to do something for yourself. I think you've got to do yeah. There's no point in, in doing anything that you think is going to make you money or you think is going to uh, make you successful or whatever because um, you're on a hiding to nothing. It's so difficult. You've got to put your heart and your soul and everything into it. So you've got to believe in it and you've got to love what you're doing, otherwise you'd never survive. So the writing that is in um, your urban portraits, but what what is the writing? Is it a sort of a how-to guide? Is it about the people who you were shooting? Because um, I haven't I haven't had the chance to read it myself. So what can people expect? Um, basically, um, I didn't write it. Um, I am highly dyslexic, as a lot of photographers and a lot of creatives are. Um, and my brain, when I had it tested, it were like, forget it, don't even bother trying. <laughs> um, get somebody else in to do things like that. And 
I met a guy called Robert McMurray. Um, he's a professor at York University. And he, um, he came on one of my courses and really up, up in Edinburgh and um, really understood what we're trying to achieve and found it fascinating and uh, from an intellectual point of view and from a, you know, from a, um, a university type point of view and academic point of view, that's the word I'm looking at. And we just got talking and sort of um, 12 months down the line, we stayed in touch and we became friends and used to go out and have coffee every now and again. And, and Robert said he'd love to sort of help me write the book. And so I spent a year with Robert just spouting uh, my stuff out and um, or, or, or as I call it in Yorkshire bumping me gums <laughs> Robert just translated it into laudable English <laughs> so that's that's and then the writing is about um, my process my journey um, so it covers things like my ethics how I approach people um, it covers a bit of psychology and body language it covers things like what to do and what not to do uh, and, and so on and so forth, really. So, and it's full of um, tips and, and, and tricks that I use. Um, so that's really what it's about. I'm not good at explaining writing. What I'm good at is the visual, if that makes sense. Got you. Yeah, no, I completely understand. Um, you were talking earlier about how during your career, you have had to adapt and move and keep changing as as the industry has changed. And obviously, the biggest change that came within the industry was the shift to digital. Um, yeah. And you you shifted with it. You've had partnerships in the past with um, with Phase One and with Leica. How how did the transition affect you? Did you find it easy? Were you ready for it, or or, or was it a hard time? Um, I didn't find it a hard time. Um, because I'd already had the schooling of film. Um, so, you know, you, we would shoot on transparency in, in, in those days, in the 80s and 90s. And, and then when the advent of digital come on, it was just a straightforward transition. Rather than meet for the shadows and the detail in the shadows with digital, you just meet it for the highlights. So it was a fairly, fairly relatively straightforward change. What I didn't do is I didn't go down the road of Photoshop and and so on and so forth. I mean, I just, it's not my era and it's not my thing. I can't sort of sit there in Photoshop and twiddle about and make things look different because it's just not what I do. I'm a photographer, I'm not a mixed media artist. Um, so I don't do that stuff. Um, so, and, and one of the things I teach is I teach to get it right in the camera. Um, and again, you know, with people that I work with, I have a really good makeup artist when I need one. Nowadays, I have a very good um, hairdresser and, and, and a very good um, stylist. And, and all those things and all those skills are about with hair and makeup, it's about how good they finish, how, how good they can finish, not how good you can retouch. It's how good they can finish. So it's not about cutting hair, it's about finishing and putting every hair in place and keep it in place. And with makeup, you know, any shininess from T-zones t, uh, t or foundation that's not right or you know whatever i make sure it's done right so that i've got nothing to do um i just take the photograph um and then at the end of the day the client goes home with the finished photograph so so i i when the advent of digital came in that's the way i worked it i just carried on as if it was shooting film if that makes sense yeah um and i'm, I'm assuming that 
within your commercial work, digital is still what you're using. That's still because that's the way that industry works. Is that the case? Yeah, I mean, I don't really do a lot now. I sort of say to people, I'm semi-retired from commercial work. I'm probably nearly fully retired from commercial work because going back to the early days when I had that accident, it's left me with a really bad disease um, that is probably has been caused through that. Um, although I, you've got to have this disease in you before. I've got a disease called ankylosing spondylitis, or AS for short, and I've also had to change careers within photography because of that as well, because, you know, it's restricted what I can and can't do. So the disease is a cross between a, a really severe arthritic disease and then your autoimmune defence system attacks you on top. So it can be very, very difficult. And I've taken life-threatening drugs for, for a number of years. And then they sort of came to an end three years ago when I was presenting and, and doing a masterclass in the... Um, uh, at, at a photography festival in Romania and I ended up having kidney failure <laughs> so oh, um, it put paid to me um, going abroad a lot so I've had to change through that as well but I never worry about things like that at the end of the day you know I'm doing something I love so it, just changing things and becoming excited about it is just part of it it just keeps you fresh I hope I'm so, answering the questions right because you're want... you're you're answering them absolutely brilliantly, Keith. <laughs> like I said, there's just there's just such. So, um, I'm I'm really interested in you as your career has gone on and you've been moving within the industry and and you made the shift to digital because that's where the industry went. Um, but the industry is still with digital and even though you're now sort of entering retirement, but you seem to have very much shifted straight back out again because um, you are heavily into analog stuff. Analog is clearly where your passion lies. Yeah. Um, and what, why is that? Is it just because that's, that's where your heart has always been or is it because that's where your interests are just driving you now? Um, it's where it's always been for me. I mean, digital is very soulless, to be fair. You know, you, you press a button, there's no connection. Um, whereas with film, there is a huge connection because, um, first of all, you, you, you've got to have a... The way I work is I've got a finished image in my head because it's part of an emotion that I have. And um, then I, I choose the relevant film. Then I, I choose... Um, the relevant exposure and chemistry for processing the film and then the relevant uh, chemistry and paper for printing uh, the shot and, and so on and so forth. You know, it's a, it's a real process. It's an inclusive um, process that, that draws you in, that, that you know, it's, it's like a love affair in a way. So you've got the finish, this finished shot in your mind and then you've got all these permutations that you can... Um, that you can do to, 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 to actually create this image um, that you first see in your mind. So it's an absolute love affair and a journey within itself. And that's just a wonderful thing for me. It's the best connection in the world. It, this is what allows me to speak. It allows me to, um, you know, say what I want to say and get my feelings out. Um, and when you're dyslexic and you can't write or you find it difficult to read, you know, it's like this is my way of communicating. Um, and, and, and film is just beautiful because it's just got this inclusive process right the way from start to finish. 
So quite a long answer to a short question. <laughs> has has your ill health and the fact that none of us are getting any younger, has that affected the, the your chosen photography subjects uh, over the recent years? Because, I mean, you have a lot of stunning landscape work um, on your website and elsewhere. Um, is that partly because of, well, th you know, this is what I can do now. I have more time because I'm entering retirement and I can actually spend the time making the decisions you were just talking about. Uh, no, it, it doesn't work like that for me. It works on how I get up in the morning. Sometimes I hear a lot of people, when I first started out <clears throat> and particularly Later on in my career, you know, when all these business advisors came to the forefront that knew an awful lot more about your profession than you did, um, they always said to me, you know, you've got to specialise what you're doing, what you're playing at. And it's like, well, what I'm doing is I communicate through this medium called photography. So I, sometimes I get up and I might want to communicate through doing a street image. I might want to communicate by doing a portrait. I might get up and feel I want to do that by doing a landscape. You know, it, for me, I don't see any difference in all these, as they call them, genres. It, it's just the same process because I go through the same process. You know, I have this image in my head and I create it. And it exercises what I need to exercise for that day, week, month or whatever, if that makes sense. And at the moment... You know, I'm really into landscapes at the moment, particularly up in Scotland and particularly in Sky, because my heart, from a landscape point of view, has always been up there. And now I've got a fantastic, fabulous opportunity, you know, to work up there and, and teach up there so and, and run, run workshops up there with, with, with Simon. So it's like it's perfect at the moment and it will be perfect probably for the rest of my career. Um but then again, on odd days, I might go and do some street photography or I might take a photograph of my dog or, you know, I might if I see a flower, I might take a photograph of a flower or whatever. It, it, I'm not sticking to one subject matter, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you were talking about the fact that you do workshops and you teach and train. Um, you're you're one of the Ilford artisans. Can you? Yeah. What 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 is an Ilford artisan um, uh, beyond the obvious <laughs> an artisan that's involved with Ilford? Um, well, ooh, it's a difficult one to ask answer that because people say, well, what, what is what does it mean? Well, Ilford asked me to become one of their partners um, and to teach the process of of film, chemistry, you know, making a print, whatever you want to call it. And, and it's just, it's a great accolade from my point of view because Ilford Film is, is my personal choice anyway. And when I got to know the people at Ilford, um, they're all highly skilled people. They're not like in a lot of companies nowadays where they really don't know what I'm talking about sometimes, but they push a button. These people really do know what they're talking about and they're very passionate. They're as passionate as me. And I love being around them, you know, and, and they're, they're really great. They've, they first came and talked to me many, many years ago and used a lot of my work in their advertising, you know, way back and just asked me to be then, it just naturally developed and asked me to be their artisan partner, um, which is sort of like, in a way, it feels like a bit of a qualification that, you know, you've you've got a bit of a qualification to teach this process, which this process, which is is film and and and, and darkroom, which is a wonderful process. 
Um, so that's how I would explain it, really. It's sort of like a bunch of like-minded people who really know what they're talking about and what they're doing. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say, really, but I'm very proud of it, you know. I'm yeah. proud of everybody that I work with and that I've worked with over the years. I've been very lucky. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, it sounds like we're coming to a point where um, it'd be a good time to maybe take a break and then afterwards we'll let Simon turn his microphone back on. Um, a, yeah. have, you, have you got anything else before we do that that uh, you'd like to ask Keith? So, I, I mean, I, I've been in danger of doing that thing I sometimes do on the show, which is, is to forget that I'm actually supposed to be hosting it and just start listening to the conversation because it's been such a, a rich conversation. Um, I, I am, I'm totally intrigued by the, uh, the, the street photography workshops and and learning how to go up and and talk to to people that 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 is something that i've always struggled with uh so so that so that that's... most people do struggle with that yeah so as so i de- de- def- definitely very interested in in the techniques i can, can learn from that so so i guess my question is this if there is one or, or one or two uh you know golden rules for for street photography uh what would you advise keith Basically, don't try and be somebody that you're not. Be yourself. Be a tourist. You know, you walk around some cities and you'll see lots of tourists walking around just taking photographs. And a lot of street photographers, what they try and do is you try and sneak shots. And I think if you're trying to sneak a shot and you get caught, then you're in trouble. So I always just become a tourist. So I'll wear whatever I want to wear. I don't go disguised up or whatever. And I don't hang around and sneak around. I just point my camera in, in somebody's face and smile and take a photograph. And if I'm feeling like I don't want to talk to them, I'll look beyond them. And then they'll just look at me and get out of the way, if you know what I mean, because they think they're in my way. There's so many different tips and tricks that you can use. Um, but I just, I'm just totally honest and I smile and, you know, I, I, don't, I don't stand on any airs and graces. I just talk to people. And, um, you know, just if, if I want to point my camera at somebody, I will do it and I will take a photograph. But I do it in a way whereas it's non-threatening. One, one, one of the other things is sometimes when I teach people at the start, what they do is like most photographers, they'll snap into it. Like, you know, they'll make a jump and lift the camera up. And it's quite an aggressive move, that. So if anybody's coming towards them, the usual reaction is, oh, shit. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. No, I, I can imagine. Do everything slowly um, and ask yourself, if somebody stopped you and genuinely paid you the compliment, would you say no? Tony yeah. taken. I, I was reading um, one of the un- entries on your blog post and um, you were talking about this exact thing of approaching people in the street and uh, the sort of subject of, well, people don't want to have that you know, somebody saying to you well people don't want to have their pictures taken and um and the point you were trying to make is well yeah but you can't take that attitude into no. your photography otherwise um you, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because you well, feel yeah. like that therefore yeah it's called self-projection yeah see I, that, that's interesting because I, I i know that some people don't but i've never minded having my t- photo taken so no if i was stopped in the street uh, uh, and uh, even without the compliment to be honest i'd be perfectly relaxed about it and, and uh, most so... people are most people are. even those people that don't you know like having the photograph taken most people are really quite happy to have the photograph taken if you approach them in a just a genuine way i think as soon as you think of street photography all of a sudden you're 
your head goes go up and you go, oh shit, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Is somebody going to attack me? Oh, what's happening? Oh, I, I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And, you know, you're just projecting all these negative things on you. And, and there's a thing called law of attraction, which works in, um, what do they call it? Ooh. Dating shows. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's, it's a subconscious Magnetism, thing. I don't know. <laughs> it's a subconscious thing. Right, so okay, yeah. Whatever you give off is what you're gonna get back. So if and that's that's the thing I, I really do teach. It's like don't give if you've had a if you've had an argument with your girlfriend or, or your wife on the morning and you go out to take some street photography, you're gonna get some crap back because you're full of that aggression and that shit, if you know what I mean. Whereas um if you're happy and you know it clap your hands type of thing, then <laughs> People are going to respond in that way. You okay, know? I'm going to stop there because I don't think we can capture it any better than that. There's a really good way of describing it. Yeah. And uh, as Graham says, you know, I think uh, yeah, t- time for a quick break. But before we go, uh, where can people go to find out more about your work and, and your views on life? Um, I guess my website is a good starting point, which is keithmossphotography.co.uk. Um, and just have a look. The other thing is to buy my book. <laughs> is, is, that avail- is, is that available on the website is it yeah it is, is indeed, available yeah. on the website yes yeah there's some beautiful work on the website as well the uh your um i mean the the portrait's fantastic and generally speaking landscape photography is not my thing but your landscapes uh have that kind of luminous quality which uh i mean like i said i um Oh God! Now Tim Tim's name has gone completely from my head. Another Ilfordon. Um, anyway, um, Tim Rodman. Yes, thank you. His work, although it's it's very different from Tim's work, but yeah. just that same thing. You just look at it and there's there's something about the way that you are shooting and printing, which just raises the the quality of the work to a level uh, which is rarely seen. It's stunning. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you saying. Okay, yeah. and that is a good point to have a break. So we will take a quick break, and we will be back to hear from Sai what he's been up to. And we're back, and this time it's size go because I understand, Sai, that you've got some world domination plans going on. <laughs> well, not exactly. Um, not exactly. I think uh, we were just really, um, you know, uh, coming on the show to to speak about what we've been up to in the in the last couple of months. Um, and obviously, you know, I, I guess a good good place to start is uh, is 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 the story between myself and Keith. Is it? Go for I it. I think that'd be a great place. Yeah, this romantic little interlude should be lovely. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, myself and Keith, uh, we met um, on a photography workshop that was um, sort of run uh, initially through Ford's, the camera shop up in Bre- uh, Bewley. Um, so I had um, I had said that I was going to take Keith um, to uh, you know a few few locations that I was familiar with. Um, you know those locations really were based around the World War Two um, you know uh, sort of gun infrastructure and and, and lookouts um, quite close to my uh, my house. 
So um, they're over in a place called Nig, and I think we briefly spoke about those in um, the podcast with myself and Dave. Yeah, I remember um, yeah. Yeah, so so I thought those would be some really interesting locations for Keith to go. Um, so yeah, um, took took Keith up there, and we did uh, we did some photography. Uh, you know, just literally on um, five before um, I was shooting on a, on a monorail at the time. Um, so um, myself and Keith uh, really really hit it off, and we we came from you know similar sort of um, backgrounds, I guess, and we had the same sort of mentality. You know, obviously very sensible, um, <laughs> fun loving people. <laughs> um, so uh, so yeah, the, the sort of friendship really sort of you know started there, and we started to speak like you know um, about bits and bobs that we were up to, um, and um, then I sort of told Keith that I was off to France, um, going to visit Dave, and um, that I still didn't have um, well <laughs> the story with my monorail. Um, I, I never paid for it, <laughs> so. <laughs> 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 So uh, I had to give that back to Ford's because I wanted something slightly different. Anyway, long story short, um, I was left without a camera. And I said to Keith, oh, you know, I'm going over to, you know, France. I don't have a large format. And he says, well, why don't you shoot with uh, my Toyo? I said, oh, that'd be great. Um, so we sent that up and, you know, that arrived just in time for, for my trip. So I, I took that off with me. And, um, you know, that was great for France. Um, but uh, since since then, um, you know, we've 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 been speaking quite a lot, and um, Keith um, came up uh, with uh, the idea of, of of buying his van, and um, you know, the sort of the, the sort of creativity behind that was to uh, to 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 make it into a darkroom van, and we you know we were discussing the options, and um, eventually. Um, Keith uh, Keith made his way up to uh, to Scotland, um, and we spent sort of a week converting it, um, and um, then we went off to Sky to shoot, um, you know, just shoot around Sky with the sort of premise that we were uh, sort of wrecking um, locations for our uh, our planned workshops uh, sort of later this year. Um, so so that's really the sort of story how we met and uh, where we're sort of you know where we're going now which is the the direction of hosting these large format analog uh, photography workshops over in sky that's fantastic so this is an exciting development so the um the van this would be dapper dan the darkroom van yeah absolutely i'll bring keith in here because he's very good at speaking um and you know i'm good at muting my microphone and everything. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah go for it keith yeah i mean uh, i always wanted a darkroom van really and i guess doing um the workshop up, workshops up in scotland um it was just a great excuse to to do one um so it's a cross between a a dark room, and um, it has a it has a double bed in it, so it means I can I can go keep there. me warm at night. Yeah, I, I, well, yeah, keep each other warm on a night, but I don't need okay. to, I don't need to go for expensive hotels, and I've just always wanted a dark room van. Um, and we sort of one of the first films that we watched together. This sounds a little like a love affair, which it isn't, although it is in some respects. I, I do love you. Yeah, I know you do. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying anything about that. But anyway, 
One of the first films that we saw when our brother went out there, which is an absolute <laughs> fantastic Oh, that's a great movie. Yeah. And, seems um, like quite a good fit as well, actually. Yeah, <laughs> that time we'd had, I, think, I think we'd had four bottles of Prosecco between us. And uh, <laughs> out pops Dapper Dan, you know, with, um, with, with, with which is hair pomade. Um, and it, it, sort of the lead character keeps getting his um, comb stuck in this Dapper Dan and, and wiping it in his hair. So I just thought Dapper Dan, you know, what a great sort of name for a van. Uh, and Ryan V. Dapper Dan, the darkroom van. So that's how it was born, really. So Simon really, really brilliantly, because I'm absolutely rubbish at DIY, he's done a fantastic job of doing all the building side. Um, he's done an amazing job of that. And then we've just gone to a, a, another company um, called Rat Monkey, which is up in Sunderland, and they're... We're having a full wrap done, uh, and it's it looks amazing. So it's going to look like a brand new van, although it's it's an only only an O5 van. It's quite a big van, um, so we can get one or two people in there. Um, so on the courses, we can we can process um, we can process five four. We will be able to print five four, um, but not at the start. At the start, I'm going to put a Kaiser enlarger in, which will do up to six six. But um, in the not too near distant future. We will have an enlarger that um, uh, will do up to five four. We'll do all the formats up to five four. Oh, so, you should listen to last week's show, Keith. We had a guy on who's got some great plans for five four enlargers. You should have a listen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would that have been intrepid by any chance? Yeah, funny. You, have, you, have you heard of them? They're they're. Uh, um... Yeah, yeah, we we have. Yeah, uh, funnily I mean... enough, um, they're they're kind of supporting us in, in our journey, and, and you know we're sort of reciprocating that support. Um, you know, we'll we'll. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, the sort of the other sort of development is that Intrepid are going to send us a, a couple of cameras and we're going to use them, you know, quite extensively in our workshops. Um, yeah, you know, if just... anyone wants to borrow one, you know, a new into 5.4 photography and wants to borrow one, then they can do it. It's, it's really nice that we can lend these cameras out and give people an opportunity that, that have never really... Um, had the chance to uh, to get into this wonderful format, um, a great opportunity to do so if they wish. Yeah, so can, yeah. Can, can you give me an idea of of what the workshop, what what form of the workshop is going to take, and sort of what you hoping when, when people come up, what are they going to be doing with you guys? Well, from my okay. who wants to take this first? Um, I, I guess you you can go first, Keith, because you know you're the man. Well, from my well, you're the man as well. Uh, okay, you you are the man. Are you? Well, <laughs> sometimes not at the weekends, as you know. But you know, it's 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 during the week now, so I'm a man now. No, um, from my point of view, um, I want to teach um, the wonderful format of of of, of five four. So I want to teach people how to use a five four camera. I want to enlighten them about film. I want to enlighten them the whole process really of of looking. Uh, of, of connecting with energies, connecting with your landscape, um, looking at what leads from your foreground into your midground into your background, uh, and, and and just going through the whole process of, of working with a 5.4 camera uh, and the beauty of that, and also teaching it properly, you know, uh, and having a good laugh at the same time. So there'll be other things as well, but and, and at the end of it, getting some fantastic shots because... We have got some amazing locations lined up. 
Yeah. Okay. And, Sh- shall I jump in? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. All right. Okay. Are you, are you sure? Not really, but just go before I change my mind. Oh, okay. You're so nice to me all the time, Graham. You know, you really settle me down and I'll tell you make what me feel I do, comfortable. I'll tell you what I do, well, Si. After, after, um, the, after the show, uh, give yeah. me your address and I will post you Graham's share of the OMGs that we got from Angela oh. this week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that'd be that'd be nice. I, I guess, I guess to sort of answer the question that Graham asked, which is, you know, what what are people going to experience with us? Is um, fr- from my side of things, what I wanted to do as well was um, put a bit of mindfulness and in, in, you know into the sort of creativity process. So, what I'm kind of looking at doing is um, allowing people to sort of soak up the atmosphere that they're in you know really really sort of appreciate where they are and you know all all of the different senses that they that they're going to sort of you know experience and and i guess try and sort of transpose that onto the the, the medium that is film um the the owners of the one of the hotels that we'll be shooting from which is Sagakin um it's just setting it Sagan hotel you said it was Sagakin Okay. Well, loads of people um, in the film community have actually been there, so uh, so they'll be able to, you know, blog about it or whatever. But they'll know where it is. Um, It's just it's setting just such an array of um, you know uh, you know mountain range really. Um, So there's everything there that you could ever wish for as a landscape photographer. Um, So. so the owners there are very much into this sort of creativity process as well. So um, I was speaking to them uh, last week um, during a photo shop that they'd commissioned me to do. Um, and, um, you know, we, we got speaking about, you know, running sort of maybe four courses uh, per year. Uh, so it looks uh, fairly hopeful that that will come off. Um so, so realistically, what we're looking at doing is, is sort of, you know, a series of workshops, um, beginner to sort of, you know, advanced, if you like, um, and then maybe culminating in a, in a printing workshop uh, on the final day. Um, you know, we, we haven't really finalized every single detail at the moment, but that's kind of what it's going to be about is like Keith sort of was mentioning you know, coming along, learning about the format of 5.4, shooting it. Um, the the other sort of idea that I had, um, which will probably happen quite quite quickly, is to um, to actually build a 5.4 camera. So I know that some of your listeners will be familiar with um, Ethan from uh, Camera Dactyl. Yes. Yeah, we went to yeah. him last week as well. Right. Okay. That's very fortuitous, that, isn't it? Um, so, um, myself and Ethan had a, had a video chat, uh, last week and, um, we, we thought it would be a great experience for people that had never sort of seen, um, or used one of these cameras to, to, you know, to sort of essentially put one together and then I can sort of facilitate a workshop around, you know, this is what this feature does. And, you know, this is, this is what will happen to the, your, your focal plane if you move this, you know, um, and bits and bobs like that. So I think that will feature uh, as well. Um, and, um, you know, 
you know, further on from that, we were we were speaking about the the, the opportunity for people to make their own bellows and customize their cameras, and you know, it, it kind of can really spiral, um, you know, with infinite possibilities very very quickly. So um, that that will be in the workshops, no doubt. Um, and uh, as Keith was saying, you know, we, we've got Dapper Dan there on hand to to sort of print five four, um, if if anybody wants to go into that sort of realm as well. So there, there's lots of really interesting things happening, and you know, what what better location um, than 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 Sky? The other thing, um, can, can I just put in? Because one of the other things yeah. I find is really important, uh, about, certainly about the courses that I do or the workshops that I do is it's about having an experience um, because, you know, when you get to a certain age, you've sort of got all your little bits and bats that you like and that you love and, and what you're after is experiences. And I love giving people an experience. So that includes taking them to nice places to eat, um, having a drink, getting to know each other, having a laugh. You know, so it is about having an experience as well. It's not just about the photography. I want mm-hmm. to make this point, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that does sound fantastic. Um, will there be, or have you given any thought to the fact that maybe some people who might want to come might have partners who are not so interested in photography? Will yeah. there be any sort of facility for, uh, yeah, there's plenty of stuff for partners who don't want to go out and take pictures to do? Yeah, I mean, that's something that we're working on at the moment. Um, it, you know, some of the courses that we that we run when we're in Barcelona or when, uh, when I'm in... Um, um, Istanbul or, or, or Budapest is we tend to and anybody that doesn't want to come down that road in other words the partners we usually have something uh, for them to do whether it's going to you know a museum which probably there isn't a lot on sky but we will find something you know it will be visiting somewhere and enjoying something and it's usually based around food and alcohol so <laughs> we still probably come into it. That'll work. Yeah. For, that'll work for most partners, I think. Yeah, especially the alcohol. Yeah. It helped the time fly. Yeah, it's, you know, there's quite a lot to do up there. So it is something that we are exploring at the moment, and you know, all will become um, sort of available as as we start moving on. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. So, how far off this being good to go are you guys at the moment? Well, we're virtually there, I think. Really, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we've 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 set a date of the twenty seventh of October for for an initial sort of one day course, haven't we, Keith? Um, You know, that's that's available, and you know, you can you can visit Keith's site um, and, and literally book that now. Um, so, so, you know, so that's one option, but, um, I just have to finalize a couple of details with the hotel owners at Sliachen and, um, you know, uh, in terms of dates, really, it looks, it looks like these, these courses will run over three to four days. Um, and there's, there's a campsite that's literally across the road, a very nice service campsite. Um, you can take your motorhome close by, um, or you can stay dinner, bed and breakfast in, in the hotel, you know, and, and be right on the location. So there's lots of, you know, you know, stuff that's very, very accessible and, you know, make your life very easy to attend the course um happening happening right there um so we were initially looking at running a course um at the hotel from uh from november um the uh, the other courses that we're going to be running will you know predominantly be based around um locations on a one day sort of course 
um, the locations will be based um, when they're not at the hotel. They'll be based around um, Uig, which is further north than Portree. It's about half an hour drive from Portree, um, further up. Um, so, um, so we're we're using some sort of self catering accommodation up there. Um, you know, there's there's links um, on our websites to, to that um, to that premises. Um, so again, our plan for for later on in the year is to build a you know a fully purpose built dark room um, on 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 there you know. Um, so I guess we're going to be able to be printing large format um, as well. Um, so those workshops, yeah, they'll they'll be based around just sort of. Same sort of thing as, as um, you know, one to three course, one to three day courses, um, similar to the to, to the hotel. But we'll probably be able to sort of concentrate a lot more, um, I guess, more comprehensively in, in terms of printing, um, you know, later on in the year, um, if not, you know, potentially sort of springtime next year. The thing that I'm really passionate about is I don't like um, running courses to a lot of people because. Mm-hmm. It gets diluted, um, so it gets diluted really, really quickly. And you know, a lot of people don't have a good experience. They come away thinking, "Yeah, I, di- I wanted to ask this, or this didn't get covered, or whatever." So the maximum that we're going to run is run with is six, which is going to be three a piece. So you know, it really is quite exclusive in the respect of it's going to give everybody plenty of chance to have plenty of time on a one-to-one basis, and you know. Simon has, has a lot of different skills to me uh, and I have a lot of different skills to Simon so they will get two ways of doing things and, 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 and two individuals' um, thoughts and so on and so forth. So, you know, there will be a lot uh, of information there for him if they choose to go down that road. Got you. So at the moment, the best place for people to go to find out more about this is, again, on your website, Keith? Yeah, keithmossphotography.co.uk. Yeah, and there's a thing on there for workshops. Um, is there a plan to actually get a website website specifically for this? And I know you've already got merchandise sorted, so <laughs> Yeah, well, everybody loves a hoodie, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely the order of business. First order of business, get the hoodies printed. Second order yeah. of business, maybe the great. website. Yeah, it was definitely great the other day because I were like just hammering at me I was trying to finish website off and he was just hammering at me all day look at this merchandise look at that merchandise <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> but yeah it's important you, you have to you have to stay warm and everything don't you yeah you well, know I think it looks really cool it, it sounds like what you've got planned for up there is going to be fantastic and I sincerely hope that at some point um, I can come up and visit you guys up there because it sounds like a, a pretty amazing way to spend a few days um, yeah Anytime you want, you'd be more than welcome. Yeah. Well, just... I, I, actually, um, Keith, we're we're, we're going to be dropping in on on Graham, aren't we? Well, we're going to try. Yeah. If if he tells us where he lives, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pass your address just now. <laughs> But no, it's um, and for anybody who's been listening the last couple of weeks and has been inspired by the sort of the, the large format conversations that we've been having uh, and is thinking, oh, I'd, I'd quite like to get into that. Um, I think this is a, a really good way to, as you were saying, just get up and, and have a go and try it out. And um, and uh, I, mean, I know you're only just sort of starting these things out, but 
it's not looking like they're going to be super expensive by the general cost of how much courses go for. So um, do check it out, listeners. Uh, I think this is going to be a lot of fun. And once you've had a look, I mean, hopefully you've already seen Sai's work from our last conversation. And once you've seen Keith's work as well, I, it should give you every confidence that these are people who you, you want to be learning from. So, um, yeah, do check that out. Thank you. Yeah. Um, the um, I, I guess a good way to sort of maybe finish it off is... Um, say goodbye. So, <laughs> no, no, I don't want to say goodbye yet. I'm, but that I'm is a good way, good... though. Yeah, it is, but li- listen, I'm... I'm well, all right, stop rushing me, will you? Okay, go on. All right. So uh, in, in the next couple of weeks, um, Keith and I will be embarking on a road trip, won't we, Keith? We will, yes. Um, so in that time... Um, I, I bought a campfire and I'm pink it, picking it up tomorrow. Um, so I'm going to be driving that down um, to, to see Keith. We're going to be... You have a masterclass at some point, don't you, Keith? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going down to Brighton. Um, so I'm doing the Art of Management conference down there, which is a four-day conference. So I am on a panel there. I'm doing the photography there. I'm selling my book there. So this is a two... Um, best way to describe it is there are 500 guests um, at this conference and they're from universities, bosses and things like that from universities from all over the world. Um, so we're also going to um, take in a few people that we uh, are close to and um, for some reason, Sai suggested you. So you're on the list as well. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so it's our plan. It's our... Say again. So, yeah, we're just going to have a good laugh as well. So it'll be a great road trip like it always is. Yeah. Um, So I I think one of the things I'll be doing quite a lot is, um, you know, getting some footage up on the website so that you can, you you know, listeners and and whoever else wants to visit the websites can sort of appreciate who we are and and, and what we're into and and get sort of a more personal feel about, you know, what we're we're up to. So I'll, I'll be recording bits and bats there. Um, but we're we're also going to head into um, to Intrepid and, and you know catch up with those guys, um, and um, but yeah before that we're we're going to drop in on you Graham, so um, um, very much just get ready. Be a rare treat. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, just following up on your last visit, site, um, in the last mm. week I think it was, um, Dave wrote an article for Thirty Five MMC about your adventures. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he did some very, um, some good writing. Obviously, uh, you know, I, I'd given a lot of my input and told him how to spell and you know, <laughs> you know, write write a good article. But you know, he did really well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He did. He did a very good job. So, listeners, if you wanted to find out more and see more pictures following from our last conversation with Si and with Dave, um, check out 35MC and you will find that there. Yeah, yeah. I think at some point Dave's going to come over as well to Sky and, and, and do, do a workshop with me. But um, I think that will probably involve, you know, hanging off cliffs and, and you know, shooting large format in, in that way. So um, that'll be another thing to, to look out for. 
Sounds good. Should we take a quick break? That sounds like mm. it might be a good thing to do. Does that sound good to you, Aid? I think that sounds good to me. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, thanks, guys. Um, f- fantastic to hear about the new adventures. I, I and I love the whole Cohen brothers reference as well. <laughs> they do. They do. They have made some of my favourite films, and and Oh Brother Where Art Thou is absolutely one of them. So, yes, yeah. uh, I'm yeah. looking looking forward to seeing Dapper Dan in person at some point. All right. Yes, let's take a quick break and. And we'll be back shortly. And we're back, and I would like to start back with a shout out to friend of the friend of the show, Angela, um, who has sent me an enormous gift box that Graham is going to be so jealous of. <laughs> yes i am oh oh no that sounded all pathetic and forlorn <laughs> i saw pictures of omgs yeah many 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 packets of omgs and all sorts of different flavors and um you know uh they're awesome and i just want to say thanks to angela for making sure that i got some this time oh, this is karma mate. this is karma why <laughs> okay more more importantly most importantly as well as well as uh sharing some film with us some uh a mostly expired film i think um uh, angela has sent us uh the new edition of her zine the pencil um and that has got some awesome stuff in it uh i haven't had the chance yet to sit down and properly enjoy it but i have had a flick through it and um, there's some great images in there and thank you so much angela that is an awesome uh i don't know what you'd call that a gift or a care package or something um and you know the the attention to detail and making sure that i got some of the omgs definite (laughs) definitely (laughs) puts you right up there in my 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 top favorite listeners list (laughs) Oh no, I don't have one of those, do I? No, of course not. Of course, of course, I don't. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, um, thank, thanks again, Angela. Um, fa- fantastic stuff. Um, uh, which takes us then, I guess, on to a whole bunch of emails. Or actually, I should probably be more correct to say, not a whole bunch of emails. We've had loads. Um, and so, what we're going to do uh, to make sure that we don't miss any out is we're going to do a, a separate email-focused show, aren't we? Which is going to be uh, an extra goodie show um ahead of uh he says bravely uh, and this is graham's plan so if it doesn't happen well it's not my fault <laughs> but, but the plan as we sit here recording right now is that sometime between the thursday that you get this and the thursday you get the following show there will be an interim show that focuses on listeners emails because there's just so many and we want to make sure we do them justice so we don't have a whole pile of emails today uh but we do have uh one or two and there's a couple of things we need to mention as well isn't there graham there certainly is yeah um the first one is we got an email from our very good friend killian let's explore magazine uh killian writes in uh hi some beams <laughs> as in some beams i'm gonna put it onto a typo well it's been a while since we spoke other than the often on chat on twitter i know i've been a bit silent i apologize but there's been a very good reason for that Are you sitting down? After quite some process-related hiccups, I sat down with my printer last week and we marked the dates for when the next issue of Let's Explore magazine-themed Perseverance will go into production. Yay! Yay, That's good. Uh, I'm liking that. I I, I like the idea that it's a when-ready production, but I also like that it's coming soon. (laughs) 
So do I. I can't tell you the exact date yet, but I can tell you that people can pre-order their issue starting tomorrow, the 7th of August. So as you hear this, listeners, it will have already opened up. Besides the magazine, one can become a friend of Lem, which will have some special perks in store and help me with paying the bill without needing to dig into my life savings too much. Um, I would really appreciate if you could share the links below with your listeners, which we will put in our show notes, which will go up on the website, which I need to update this week. Uh, and um, hopefully we'll get Killian on again soon to talk about how it's all gone. Perhaps once it's out, we'll get him on to <laughs> go through how the whole experience has been this time around. Um, cheers, guys, from Killian. So that's great. Really exciting to hear that uh, that's coming to fruition again. Um, it seems to have gone through pretty quick this time, doesn't it, Aid, since the call went out? Uh, I, I suspect it seems quicker for us than it does for Killian. <laughs> yeah, true that, true that. Well, I mean, he did pick Perseverance as the topic, so, you know. Yeah, he kind of shot himself in the foot there, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Next edition um, is called Goofing Off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, slacking. Um, the next thing uh, I wanted to mention, this is something that Rachel asked us to draw attention to. And this is a for a crowdfunding thing uh, for uh, the LAPC exhibition and workshops at Unseen Amsterdam. So the London Alternative, this is a lot of words, so just bear with. Um, the London Alternative Photography Collective are raising funds to exhibit at Unseen Amsterdam in September 2018. Um and I've had a read through this. It sounds like there's a lot of really cool, interesting artists um, who are going to be putting that or hopefully putting their work on display there using all sorts of alternative photographic techniques. Um, I'm not going to go into them, but if you go to um, go to crowdfunder.co.uk and look for LAPC exhibitions and workshops unseen Amsterdam, it is well worth a look. Um, like I said, there it sounds like it's going to be a really interesting um exhibition and it would be great to see it happening rachel was particularly keen that we mentioned it because uh, a lot of the work with alternative processes is very close to what she likes to get involved with as well um so if that sounds like your kind of thing check that out um and there's a whole range of rewards you know you can get postcards pack pack of postcards and all sorts of stuff and, and i'm looking at some of the pictures and of what you can get and they are just beautiful um the cyanotypes there um uh, hand printed sea print all sorts of amazing stuff so do check that out listen even if you just want to go there to look at the work that these artists are creating that alone is well worth it because it is um unique and distinct work that's being done there so that's very cool cool that's yeah. interesting because i went to that show um about three years ago Oh, yes. Can you tell us a bit more about it then, Keith? It's an inspirational show in some respects, and in other respects, it were sort of like um, it was very arty in some areas. Like there were a lot of galleries showing, and, and a lot of the work that were on display wasn't my particular type of work. It were things like a woman naked riding a sheep, and there were <laughs> hey? not your kind of thing. <laughs> well, no, not really. Uh, even though I come from Yorkshire, didn't want my sort of thing either. Um, but it, there were a lot of like concept work there, and you know stuff that's a bit way out and a bit. I suppose you would call it high end, wouldn't you? Really, because they were going for like thousands and thousands. Um, but there was some really good stuff and really inspirational stuff, and a lot of contacts there. Huge amount of contacts there you know, in the industry to have a chat with and, you know, possibly to uh, connect with. Um, 
And in particular, one of the things that I were fascinated with is the books. There were so many booksellers there, photography booksellers, self-publishers, um, like myself. And honestly, the, there was a hall there that were just massive, and it were full of individual booksellers. It were brilliant. So there were a lot of inspirational stuff there. Oh, that's mm. really cool, because it's not yeah. a thing I'm familiar with. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fairly safe to say that the the stuff in this collective is, you know, it, it is a well, it's a really mixed bag of stuff. I mean, I said, I'm I'm just scrolling down, looking at the art that they're selling to raise money. Um, and you've got things like you know, a beautiful eight by ten cyanotype of the moon, and uh, an incredible picture of Saturn. Um, a photo, what is it? A photopolymer photogravura of Saturn. Don't know what any of those words mean, but the picture looks really cool. So, um, yeah, like I said, just well worth a look. I think well worth a look. Um, and uh, Keith, where it is the actual thing? Where does it take place? I have no idea. It, it we're in September when I went, which was maybe three years ago, four years ago. Um, we did a bit of a European tour, and we were there in September. Um, it and, was gone. And and it is in Amsterdam, obviously. I'm guessing. Yeah, well, it were it were more or less in the centre. Yeah. Gotcha. Cool. That's very big, cool. Big area. Big big area. There are lots to see and do. Awesome. That sounds very cool. Amsterdam's not far away, is it? And um, and shall should we um uh, I suppose you haven't got the thing in front of you the uh, summer holidays. Hey, do you want to do that? Summer holidays. No. The, 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 the Kodak. The, okay, let's leave it. Oh, I'm sorry. This, hey. Yes, sorry. I thought you were talking about my summer because I've just come back from my holiday. Sorry, I got confused there. Now, you, you, you go ahead with it. I think, um, uh, from what I understand, you've been doing a great job promoting it every week. I'm not sure Paul would agree with that, but um, yes, we want to, as as we have been doing, just remind everybody, because the weeks are ticking past pretty quickly now, that the Kodak, um, Alaris and Analog Wonderland Summer Holidays competition is in full flow. Uh, every day I'm seeing stunning new pictures popping up on Instagram and Twitter that people are sharing. Um, I'm sure you have all heard this by now, but the basic premise is, is well, if you're on your summer holidays, take some pictures on Kodak film and submit them. Uh, the uh, website at um, analogwonderland.co.uk, you'll find the competition entry website just there. Submit your entries there and be in with the chance of winning a fantastic goodie bag of Kodak films. Um, there's two groups. There's a beginner for people who have been shooting less than a year and proficient for people who have been shooting longer than that. Uh, and... Um, if you are one of the people who are lucky enough to win, you could be one of the first people to get your grubby little hands on one of the first rolls of Kodak Ektachrome when it comes back in. Now, they have made it clear that there is every likelihood that the Ektachrome won't be ready for when the goodie bags first go out. But as soon as it is available, you will get it. So that's super cool. That is other absolutely thing, yeah, the other thing that is part of the summer holidays um, competition is that anybody who buys any Kodak film whatsoever from Analog Wonderland between now and I think it's the 3rd of September. I keep saying I think it is. I should have looked up in the interim week, but I think it's the 3rd of September. It will say on the website. Um, any Kodak film you buy, you will get free a roll of Kodak Color Plus film, um, 24 exposure Color Plus film. And what we would love you to do with that is use that film to introduce somebody else to the joy of analog photography. Uh, lend them a camera, give them the roll of film, teach them how to use it. Um, you know, we've got two people on the show here who are setting out to educate the world. And um, 
what's what's some good pro tips, guys, from both of you for getting somebody interested? You know, who? How would you approach getting somebody who might have only shot digital to shoot a roll of film? Um, I would take them through the process, really, but but talk them through um, the process in you know in, in what they need to be looking at in their heads because when you're shooting film, it will improve your digital photography. Um, you know, right from the word go of, of the love affair and, and of that inclusive process of thinking about the image before you take the shot, not wasting film, but t- thinking about the image before you um, take the shot and then thinking about the whole process you've got to do to get there and, 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 and just take it from there, really. Gotcha. And yeah. also, the first thing I teach anybody when they pick up a film camera is to use a, a, a handheld light meter as opposed to a, a light meter in a camera. Yeah, I, I, I was just going to say that actually. Um, I think that that's the, the that's the fundamental thing, isn't it? You start start with light, and then um, you know um, talk talk around that. You know, I've got a question actually for all three of you. Okay, so whilst we're talking about getting somebody to try film for the first time, and you know we've got this roll of film, and you can we've all got more cameras than we need. Well, we've all got more cameras than our partners think we need. Um, what is the reason? Okay, what, when you say to somebody who's been shooting with their phone or shooting digital up to now, and you go, I've got a roll of film here, you should give this a go. Why should they have a go at shooting analog? Why should somebody give analog photography a try? I want to hear, hear an answer from all three of you, a good pithy answer. For, um, me, it, for me, it's infectious. Once yeah. you start shooting film, it is infectious. Because there's so much to learn. And there's so much to connect with with the whole process, so it just becomes infectious. So it's like athlete's foot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Probably more, more infectious than that. Make it better. <laughs> okay. What about you, Sai? Yeah, I think following on from that is is just to. to I find it fascinating to watch people that have shot digital. Um, you know. Uh, and then they, they they pick up a film camera and, you know, a lot of people are kind of, you know, a bit flummoxed by it. And then they start to really sort of get involved with it and, you know, they start moving about and, you know, they just do things that they would never have done if, if they were just to pick up a digital, you know, their, their normal camera that's digital and, and start banging off a few. Um, that you know, you start to see them sort of dipping down, and they're changing the perspective, and they're looking up at the sky, and you know they're moving closer to things, and you just see them do a, a lot, lot more different things. And I think that's that's just proof of the fact that you know they're connecting with their environment and atmosphere, and and they're just soaking it up, you know. Um, so so that's the thing I find fascinating about it, and you know that's the thing that that I I try to inspire in people is is just really really slow it down and think about the shot like Keith was saying think about the shot that you want to create, um you know and that doesn't have to be a single exposure, um you know a lot of the time it, you know I think it, it's really creative to to do double exposures or, or more than that um just just really. Th- think about your your atmosphere and, and soak it up and, and and benefit from that you know and that's that's an experience rather than just pushing a button and going bang 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 you know um so so yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that's all good so, yeah, I, work so, with yeah. That. Yeah. I, I agree with both of those answers actually and i i, I um uh, i've i've 
thought about this a lot over the years especially every time em asked me to write a my name's aid and this is why i shoot film article and i say no because i haven't got anything to say (laughs) every time that every time we go through that cycle which to be fair to em actually he hasn't asked me for ages now (laughs) (laughs) but uh for me um it's quite simple um i take better photographs uh, for, yeah. for all of the reasons that the the outcome of everything that that Keith and I have just said, in my case, the outcome is that I take better photographs, and you know I would have no hesitation in saying to a digital shooter, you will you will take better photographs if you shoot film. Yeah, without a doubt, I agree with that. There's some very good reasons. Well, there you go, listeners. Hopefully, you know, many of you have got, and even if you haven't got your rolls of colour plus film, you know, because you haven't been to Analog Wonderland or whatever, you know, get let's get out there. Let's have a push on getting some people. And, and as um, Rachel was saying last week, if you've got stories of how that's gone, then share those on Twitter or on Instagram with the hashtag first frame of fun. I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, but that isn't how you enter your pictures for the competition. If you're going to enter your pictures, go to analogwonderland.co.uk and there's a nice big banner right on the front page there. Click on that and that will take you to where you need to go. And I look forward to hopefully seeing your pictures being shared on there soon. Um, and what I suppose whilst we're on the subject of uh, sharing pictures and soon, uh, as this goes out on Thursday, you have until Saturday evening to get your cheap shots challenge pictures in so run do not walk um because yes the time is very much now um as aid was saying we've had a lot of really brilliant entries and i think what we are going to probably end up doing because there's so many great entries um we're going to go through the pictures uh with johnny beforehand and basically work so johnny can pick out his favorite one picture of everybody's pictures which we can then judge on the show so we can get, give everybody's pictures or give everybody a decent chunk of time rather than trying to blitz through too many pictures so that's our plan um but the, the work is fantastic if you haven't got them in yet please get them in now um if you can hear an element of panic in my voice that's because i haven't finished the roll of film in my camera yet oh, <laughs> and it's no. monday and is it color <laughs> no it's black and white oh, okay so at least you can develop it yourself my my, uh, my not not one but two rolls of film have been sent to the lab now uh, smug <laughs> well and my hopes are not terribly high for this one but um uh, I, i'm just glad that well i mean the thing is i was gonna say i'm just glad rachel's taking part because she always manages to have something go terribly wrong but then people just love rachel and make her second or first anyway because of bias and sexism it's outrageous uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it might be because that's that whole karma thing coming to get you again I know. I'll never learn. I promise you, I'll never learn. I am absolutely confident in that. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think um brings us to the end of the end of this week's show um don't disappear just yet though listeners uh we do have i think it's is it graham the fourth and final installment from eric uh, uh attached to the end of this show we certainly do yes it's been a real delight uh it's been really interesting. I wouldn't say delight because Eric's, Eric's meanderings are often fairly um, melancholy, but it's still been a real pleasure hearing about his travels around and just how he's, the experiences he's had and how it's affected him and how he's approached going out and shooting on a four week trip like that. So, yes, the last one of those to listen to today. Um, and right then at the back soon, end of this show, we'll put that in. There you go, right at the back end of the show, the back end of the donkey, as Eric 
does, does not belong clearly does not belong but that's where he is um yes and then we can look forward to martin's darkroom ones coming up very soon as well so i'm excited to start on those so yes thank cool. you very much for it. those guys sending those in yeah good stuff okay so well that does that is the end of the show then so uh, i guess uh first off keith have you enjoyed yourself yeah it's been really good thanks really enjoyed it Excellent. Well, thank you for coming on the show. It's been great to hear about the stuff that you're doing. Um, remind us again where listeners can get uh, in touch with your work. Um, KeithMossPhotography.co.uk Excellent. Thank you very much. Uh, and and yeah. over to Sai. Have you enjoyed yourself this time? <laughs> Why are you laughing when you said that? <laughs> because Graham's been so horrible to you. I could fully understand if you decided that the answer was no, and it's okay. I won't edit that out. If that's the way, if you want to tell the world what Graham's really like, I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> no, no, it's been <laughs> no, it's been fantastic as normal. Uh, you know, I, I I sort of had a video chat with Graham. Was it last week? Or, it was, yeah, well, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know it's always, it's always good to to catch up. But you know, he, he seems so nice when you video chat. But then you go on a podcast with him, and it just changes. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know he's got this whole you know podcasting star persona. I don't know where where it comes from. It's yeah, definitely yeah. not that. Uh, <laughs> no, but Sorry. no. Uh, I mean, massive thanks to 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 everybody on Sunny Sixteen, and thanks to all the listeners as well. Um, you know, it's it's just been fantastic the last you know three years of uh, of getting involved. So uh, I'm really thankful for everything that's going on, and um, hopefully we can get more people inspired to shoot film and you know thanks to everybody okay and and uh, again remind us where listeners can get in touch with your work okay so the website for me is srfilmphotography.co.uk um but you know if if they're visiting keith's site there's there's a link there so um all bookings for the courses are done through keith's site so um so yeah just go to keith's site it's better than mine anyway (laughs) (laughs) sorry terrible you can't say that simon that's i can i can yeah what what what's up graham um you've got a new instagram feed as well haven't you you started a new one which is more dedicated to what you're doing at the moment yeah a lot more uh professional less selfies Yeah. yeah Yeah. Um, so, so that's 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 there again. It's um, SR Film Photography. Okay. Cool. Awesome. So that's the website and the Instagram account. Excellent. Thank that's you very awesome. much. Right. Well, um, having said all lots of uh, horrible things about Graham in the last couple of minutes, um, we do put him in charge of our social media and our email. <laughs> so and, and the publishing of the podcast. This is. <laughs> This is a this, this actually that I oh, we've let that slip, haven't we? <laughs> a lot of bad choices have been Just made. Just realised you're in charge of all external comms for this show. That's a bit scary. Uh, luckily, dear listeners, I retain control of most of the edits, at least when I'm on the show. Um, so uh, you can get in touch with us and pretty much anywhere on the internet these days uh, at Sunny Sixteen Podcast, uh, and especially at our own website, Sunny Sixteen Podcast dot com. Uh, or email us sunny16podcast at gmail.com and pretty much at the at the end of all of those is graham mostly um so uh there, there you go um be careful what Good you luck. wish for yeah <laughs> and uh so two things to sign us out uh firstly uh the music you'll hear very shortly is rachel's band rocker um and there you can get their album uh, promises i should have kept on spotify amazon or itunes and don't forget to listen to all the way through for the last installment from eric uh thank you it's been an honor and a pleasure and i am glad to be back uh speak to you next week Bye-bye. bye bye bye
Cheers. <laughs> sunbeams. This will likely be my last check-in from the road, and it's one that almost didn't happen. Let me explain. Okay, so the, the cherry on top of this trip was supposed to be a 17-mile overnight hike into a canyon that is part of Bears Ears National Monument. I focus on this specific canyon system with a good number of ancient ruins dating to around 900. The biggest reason for uh, me buying the Intrepid 4x5 was to photograph these ruins, especially a kiva and a cliff dwelling. Uh, and though I really wanted to do the overnight trip, uh, the news that the, the springs in, inside the canyon were bone dry forced me to, to uh, make it a day hike, just do one leg and then back. Um, the in and out would be about 10 miles. Um, so that's not really a problem. I've done 10 mile desert hikes before and in the summer. So I got this, but well, you know, I didn't in any shape of, of, of the way, uh, uh, get this. I, it almost got me, uh, the night before I camped at the trailhead so I could start the hike before dawn, hoping to get back by one or two in the afternoon, maybe three, if I really dilly dallied, I packed the intrepid four by five, as well as a 35S, 35mm SLR, probably the Rico, um, Smina 8M, the Imperial Savoy, and uh, the Ensco Color Clipper, all very fine cameras, I assure you. Um, I also packed six film holders, a 35mm lens, um, I should have went with a 90, but whatever, and all the various ephemera uh, that I involved, involved with, with large format photography and hiking. This includes the 10 essentials for hiking, um, as well as one and a quarter gallons of water, about five liters. Um, in all, it was about a 20 pound pack, maybe a little bit more, um, and all of that will become important soon enough. The hike was nice at first, a uh, casual stroll, but when I, uh, when I descended into the canyon itself, it was a very rough 900-foot hellish drop that lasted two hours. Uh, this wasn't a trail so much as it was, it was a uh, it, like picking your way through rocks. Uh, you're trying to know which rocks to slide down, which rocks to not slide down. Uh, the further the further I went, the more I was worried about just just how I was going to get back up after the ten mile hike. I figured I'd be pretty tired. Um, honestly, uh, that, that, that seemed pretty scary, and I nearly turned around, but kept going. I got to the canyon floor, but it really wasn't that much better. The trail is hardly ever used, um, so it's kind of scattershot. Um, anyway, for, for five miles, I picked my way through was basically a boulder field that once in a while opened up to a normal path that was kind of sandy and hard to walk on. After about four hours of this, I finally reached the cliff dwelling. It was, of course, on a cliff. 
I had no idea how to get up to the top of it. Uh, so I started to climb. It was only 20 or feet up from the ledge that I was already on. Um, and I got about halfway and realized that I, I couldn't do the rest with my pack on. Um, but uh, I needed my pack because that's where the cameras were. Uh, so while balancing on a sliver of a sandstone ledge, I unbuckle the pack, remove the armbands, and throw it up to the next level, which was about a couple feet over my head. Um, somehow that worked. I don't know how. Um, I, I crawled the west, rest of the way up. Um, see, I'm incredibly af afraid of heights. I, I don't like it. Um, and I had to kind of skitter around this big boulder that was protruding and my feet were kind of underneath it. And it was pretty terrifying for me. Maybe most people could handle it. I could not. So once I got up there and I calmed down, still kind of amazed that I got up there, um, this dwelling was basically untouched in a thousand years. There were still pottery shards and corn cobs strewn all over the ground. Uh, the maker of this dwelling had a thing for windows. He or she even had window panes and cross sticks for support. Um, as decoration, there were a few pictographs and a lot of ch child's handprints all over. It was, it was really sweet. Um, I took three or four four by five shots of various things, packed up and realized I had no idea how to get back down. Um, I, fortunately, I carry paracord in my pack. So I was able to tie, out, tie it to my bag and lower it down the 20 foot cliff. As for me, I got down the way I got up and that wasn't exactly the best part of the day. So the next stop is the Kiva. It was about a half mile away. Um, this proved to be an incredibly strenuous half mile. Uh, this is not marked on any maps. The path isn't marked and the Kiva itself isn't marked. So I did a lot of needless climbing. I added maybe a mile or so to my, to my, to my total. Um, okay, so a Kiva is basically an underground room used in worship. The ladder that goes down into this room has been improved by, by I'm assuming, the park service of some kind. Um, either, and you're allowed to go down inside. Everything else is basically unchanged. Um, I took a 60-second exposure there and a few others of the dwellings nearby. Actually, inside the kiva, you can still smell the campfires, the, the, the fires that were, that, that the smell is just clinging to the walls. It's amazing. Um, so it was, uh, it was with the, the corn cobs all over the ground and then the pottery with the little painted bits and little, uh, carved bits. It was really neat to find this stuff in situ. It was something that you just don't see in parks. In most parks, it's all very clean and sterile, sterilized. Um, so after the few pictures at the Kiva, I had about five miles to go back. Now, I had already done about seven at this point. So I was a little like, okay, I, I checked my water and had a little less than half left. Uh, it was cutting it close, but doable if I rationed it. Uh, so for most of the way back, the trail on the floor was familiar enough. I had gotten lost a few times on the way in, was actually able to make good time by not repeating my mistakes. But then came the ascent. 
Um, by this time, the sun was high in the sky, and the temps were around 90 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, 32 Celsius. Um, I began to scramble upwards, and suddenly I was lost. Nothing looked familiar, just a bunch of house-sized boulders everywhere. I climbed farther, and still nothing. Now, it's not usually hard to get lost in a canyon. It's like getting lost on a river, usually. This was no normal canyon. Uh, there have been rock slides and falls, making the roots seem making roots that seem that seem sensible, are completely impassable. So you get up and you and you you think you're going the right way, and it turns out you're not. You can't go any farther. Um, there are a few rock carns to to guide your way, but if you miss one, you're completely lost. This added about a mile uh, to to my trip. Um, so after a mile of wandering, I, I finally f found a sandstone slide that I slid down on the way in. I was able to walk up it. Um, I also got a, a photo of it. Uh, I think it was my only color picture I, I took that day, today. Um, but God, I was so exhausted by this point. So I took a break. I climbed a little bit more and I took a, another break. By this time, I consumed a gallon of water and had less than a liter left. Uh, it, was, it was hard to move. It was harder to climb. I saw the trail that seemed familiar, but after a half mile of climbing, it was wrong. I took another break and started to really ration uh, my water. This was serious. I was lost. Uh, soon I was out of to be out of water, and I had about a mile to go, and in that mile, a 500-foot uh, scramble, rock climb. Um, it was clear. Okay, I, by this point, I was going to run out of water. A wind kicked up, and I looked to the sky. It was dark storm clouds. This wouldn't actually solve my water problem, but could make my climbing scramble impossible. Uh, sandstone is wonderful until it's wet and then you just can't go. So here's where the terror kicked in. I've never been this scared before in all of my life. Uh, there was, I, I figured, a um, well, very little standing between me and death. I had no choice but to find the right trail and uh, go back to the trailhead and all the water that I left in my car. Um, encouraging me the whole way were a multitude of lizards all over the place, running, scurrying. They greeted me with their friendly skitterings. Uh, they gave me someone to talk to, and someone to well, not, not guide me. Uh, I mean, they're just lizards, but I was, I was getting lightheaded at this point, and I wanted to either barf or sleep. Both? The water is gone now. Okay, so a large lizard pointed me to the path I needed, or maybe he didn't, but somehow I found it, which is good. Uh, there's only a half mile and 300 feet of, of climbing to go. Um, but the shade, the shade, when you're this exhausted and the sun is beating down on you, the shade, so beautiful. It's so cool and shady. The lizards wouldn't mind if I took a bit of a nap right now and I'll only barf a little bit, okay? But no, I mean, I honestly, I, I had no choice. 
I'm an experienced enough desert hiker to know these symptoms were acute dehydration and heat exhaustion. A wonderful one-two punch. Uh, if I went to sleep, I wouldn't wake up. I'd, I would die. I knew this, and the lizards knew this too. So fear of death is a great motivator. Also, if you die within a half mile of your trailhead, I'm pretty sure you go to hell. So lizards, let's do this. I don't honestly remember the climb. I don't remember anything uh, from wanting to sleep to finding my car. I apparently did. So I found my car and I, I sat down. I drank some water even before removing my pack. Uh, I've never been this beaten up. The, the rocks, you don't just slide down, you slam against them. And they're pretty unforgiving. I've scratches and scrapes and gouges. I'm bleeding right now. But I was alive and I got some amazing photos. And that, that's something, right? But more important, I, I now have a personal relationship with the Bears Ears area. Um, this area is held sacred to the Diné, the Hope, the Ute, and the Zuni people. I was tested to my extreme limits and I somehow lived. On, on the drive out, the Bears Ears Buttes, from where the place gets its name, came into view. It was the first time, it was the first time I saw them um, since getting out of this. And I pulled over and I, I sobbed. I had wanted to explore a small piece of this land, but came away with an experience that I believe is, is, is probably life-changing. Uh, I underestimated bear's ears, and I was properly put in my place by bear's ears. It's, it, was, it was scary, but... I don't know, it was, it was, I'm sorry, I'm all still, it's just, just a couple hours ago. Um, it was a beautiful experience, and I'm apologizing for, for, for going on, and, and thank you for listening. And I think I'm going to cut it off now, because here come the waterworks. So, thank you for, uh, thank you for listening, and thank you, uh, Sunny 16 folks, for allowing me it's a little bit of time on your your uh, uh, your podcast. Oh, um, one other thing: the canyon that I went into was previously named Graham Canyon, which is kind of cool. It's not named that anymore, and I assume it's not named that anymore because you just lost too many cheap shots challenges, and they had to change it. Ta ta.